Welcome to the weekly podcast of Capital Outlook from Wyoming PBS. Capital Outlook is a weekly show broadcast whenever the Wyoming legislature is in session from Cheyenne. To learn more, visit us at wyomingpbs.org. Welcome to Capital Outlook here on Wyoming PBS. I'm Bob Beck. Today on the program, as usual, we will be speaking with the Senate President Dan Dockstader and the Speaker of the House Eric Barlow as we wrap up the Wyoming legislative session. And to provide some equal time, we'll be hearing from the Senate Minority Leader Chris Rothfuss and the House Minority Leader Kathy Connolly. They'll have some thoughts on how things went as well. Then a little bit later on the program, we will be talking with the new host of this program, Steve Peck, and he'll have an interview for you with the new State Superintendent of Public Instruction. It's all coming up next right here on Capital Outlook. This program is supported in part by a grant from the BNSF Railway Foundation, dedicated to improving the general welfare and quality of life in communities throughout the BNSF Railway Service Area. Proud to support Wyoming PBS. And by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Capital Outlook. I'm Bob Beck. Joining us once again for the final time this legislative session is the Senate President Dan Doxater and the Speaker of the House Eric Barlow. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program and uh, thank you all session for joining us. Uh, let's start with you, Speaker Barlow. Uh, I would be curious as to what your highlights of the session have been so far. Highlights of the session. Well, it's the last Thursday of the session. No, actually, I think um, a lot of good things happened for Wyoming during this session. I think uh, as you looked at it, the work we did on Monday, we delivered a budget to the governor. I think it was a, a very solid budget. We delivered a, a ARPA bill that um, does some one-time funding into very critical things. I'll let the president speak to some of those, you know, those priorities that were out there, but healthcare certainly being one of them, rural healthcare. Um, CAPCON, we have a capital construction bill that came out that day. Um, so, you know, and that's what we were doing here this year. We were doing, this was a budget session. And um, I feel very good about that. And we preserved our ability as a legislative branch to, you know, um, oversee what the governor may or may not like about, um, about our suggestions, so or our, our appropriations. So I think that is probably, you know, one of the key things that we came here to do. And, and I think we accomplished it in, in good order. Senator, you're not. I would just commend the appropriation uh, committees. Uh, they worked very well together. They brought that budget together, set it up for the governor, and I, I don't sense the, the contention with the budget that I'd seen in previous years. And they brought it to both floors, presented, and there was a lot of agreement as far as what I saw personally that would help us with ARPA. I saw the opportunity to help for perhaps uh, decades down the road and generations health care at the rural level. That's that's important to me. We've had some success stories out west. I thought, how do we take this out to other rural areas in Wyoming and create similar success stories? And the uh, uh, that ARPA bill allowed us to do that and to set up some projects potentially in the coming years that will not just help this generation but the next. 
Yeah, I was. I think for a lot of people that was very exciting because there's a, a chance if it works and we can bring some providers in, but there's a chance there's some money there to possibly do that and, and obviously set up maybe some more facilities in, in places all across. Brick and mortar, that's what we're looking for with this so that they have a place to bring in healthcare providers to. They'll come if uh, we found out in our little valley of uh, out west. If if you build it, they will come. And uh, as a result, we we built a new hospital with state of the art surgical suites, and then we brought in orthopedic surgeons, general surgeons, and family practitioners that have a good base to work from. Pay raises for state employees. I know that was a big discussion over in the House and the Senate, but uh, in the House uh, they even bumped that up just a little bit. Uh, is it was is that. Can you explain to baby folks why that seems to be important? Well, I think that um, it was important. It was important on the House side. And as you mentioned, we, we you know, improved it or <laughs> raised it a little bit more. Um, you know, the, the state of Wyoming has some struggles. We're, we're competing. We, we have a, a level of government service that folks expect and, and want and are utilizing. Um, but we're having a hard time keeping folks in those places. And these are tough jobs. This is the Department of Family Services, which deals with children. And these are, uh, you know, snowplow drivers who help get us safely to our work um, and our, you know, our schools, et cetera. So, and it's all across state government. We're competing with whether it's local government or private industry. You know, all of that. We just, I, mean, I think, we, we did it. We we passed this this, you know, trying to get closer to market rates for our state employees um, because they actually provide services to us, and we need to value them based on that. Um, so I think it was a good conversation. Now, let's understand, it's just a first step in understanding how we actually maintain and continue to, to support those state employees and the programs that they're providing on behalf of Wyoming citizens. Any thoughts about that? And then, the, the good speaker just mentioned that's a start. It is a start. We're finding places out there that our employees can no longer afford a place to live. The very basic necessities, uh, uh, a teacher in Jackson, uh, the cost has gone way beyond and teacher salaries that are there now. We've got to find solutions for uh, housing situations in places like Cody, Jackson, Star Valley, soon to be other in a location near you where we need to up those salaries to the point that it's competitive or they're just going to have to find another job because they can't live under that stress of trying to do their job, a highway patrolman doing their job and not knowing that ends will meet at home because of the cost of living at wherever they call home in Wyoming. Yeah, you've talked about housing quite a bit uh, during our conversations, and I'm curious, uh, you know, in about a, a few weeks, you'll have interim topics uh, presented to you and you'll vote on that. Would that be something you'd like some folks to look at? I had been pushing hard, asking our uh, minerals business economic development to take a hard look at that. Uh, talk to appropriations, they have a full schedule, but I says this can't go away because the problem is not going to go away. Wyoming has been found. Okay. Well, any disappointments, uh, Speaker? Oh, no. I think, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's individual legislators that didn't get their uh, their bill forth. But as far as process, I'll, I'll just speak to the House side, the process and, you know, what we, uh, what we accomplished. I think, you know, most people would say we we um, understood where we were. We, we worked through some of the challenges we had. We got two days left. You know, we still have <laughs> opportunities. Um, but I, no, I don't. I don't have any personal disappointments. No, I uh, feel comfortable with what we did. How about yourself? Uh, legislators will bring bills back. I'll do the same. I'll bring some back. There's always another day. I, I want to ask you about a, a few things that uh, might be on the horizon, and and one is certainly education, and uh, you know, sort of 
addressing that. There was a lot of things funding-wise we addressed this year, but, uh, you know, you, you just always have that hanging out there, you know, how are we going to fund education? Uh, as you look ahead, what, what do you think is the solution there? I heard from my school district this year. They were pleased with what uh, came about this year. And, Asked for my support, I gave them my, my support, but we're not going to be done with that yet because it just involves too many lives across Wyoming, too many jobs, too many students that we have to make sure that there's a long-term plan. I would say the same thing. It's an ongoing dialogue. Education, you know, foundation is our constitution. We've had an ongoing dialogue. We'll continue to have that. Um, new, you know, there's an election between now and the next legislature. There'll be new ideas and new you know, energy toward solving some of these challenges. And the biggest challenge, I mean, we have two challenges. We have a structural deficit in education, a funding issue. And then we have folks that want to actually look at the, the, uh, the educational program. What, what are we delivering and are we getting value and where, where do we need to? We want to value teachers. Are we giving them the resources they need? You know, are there things that we need to alter or massage you know, to get, get the right balance? So the, the conversation continues. Yeah, I, I get the sense there are people that really do want to look at what is being taught. And, and that, that came up in different ways this past session. And, uh, you know, what, what about that? It seems like we have looked at the model and things like that right. many times. Some of these things we had to vet out and, and hear. We heard back from teachers and and those who were the patrons in the school district and said maybe, maybe this isn't as important as we want it to be. But I do feel and sense a drive just back to the basics and making sure we put out a good, successful student uh, with some of the basics in education. We're doing that. We've got to make sure we can fund it into the years coming. It's, I think it's an exciting time because we're moving into this digital era where we open up opportunities for education for students wherever they live in Wyoming. Get a little broadband out there and we're going to help students have courses, electives that they never had before. Sounds like there might be even a discussion, at least I know that's something they're going to throw your way, looking at school choice and some new avenues in the state. Well, yeah, we had bills this year and last year on, you know, doing some of those things. And I think we're going to see some <clears throat> some um, continued action uh, based on the bills that came out last year on the um, charter school um, issue. So I think we're going to continue that. I mean, I'm all for school choice. I, we homeschooled our children. You know, we made a choice. And so... Um, now, when you start about public funding of schools, that, of other schools, you know, that, that's where it's a more, um, a different dialogue. And, but yeah, we're going to continue to have those discussions. Mr. President, one of the things that uh, a number of the guests who have come in on this program, this, this whole session, I keep bringing up, and we know it's out there, is uh, expanding the tax base. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking a lot about reducing um, some of the coal taxes, evening things up there, but there's got to be some uneasiness about where we're going to get our revenue into the future. So what about that? Is Can we have a serious discussion about it's that? It's difficult to talk about expanding the tax base when we're, we're uh, the prices of everything that you're experiencing from the grocery stores to trying to buy a used car has gone off the charts. It could be wise to wait a little longer and discuss that when the economy is better. What are your thoughts there? Well, uh, you know, we had several bills, and as you know, tax bills start in the House. So there was a couple options that were there, and, and none of them moved forward. Um, and we're in a unique time right now, as we talk, talked about the budget earlier, is we have actually void revenues right now because mineral prices, unfortunately, help that, unfortunately, that hurt consumers 
help the state of Wyoming. So we have this you know, influx of revenue because of that. And then we have the influx of the ARPA dollars, which we conserved you know, over half a billion dollars with um, to bolster us. So I, think it, I don't think it changes the need for the conversation, but it maybe changes the horizon on the conversation of how we get a more equitable, maybe is the, is the, the right word, um, tax structure in Wyoming. I bet, it, as the president says, that, that's a real hard conversation unless you're almost officially out of money, isn't it? Right. Well, and, and I think we've, we've set up the long-term look at things as far as structurally with, with some of the ARPA. But right now, Bob, if we, if we jump into taxes, people are experiencing extreme difficulties with their own home budget. Probably not a good time to, to bring it up. Maybe out past the horizon, like the speaker said. Can I ask you about a, a couple of bills before we let you go? One is uh, one I was a little surprised to see got through, but uh, Wyoming's tomorrow. Uh, that's going to deal with. Uh, it's kind of a different approach to scholarships than we see. Could you explain that? Sure, a little that bit? was a little tight on our side. One of the concerns people had is, do we already have those services in place? And literally, while we were working on this bill. Someone showed me those services, those opportunities, those applications for uh, assistance, financial assistance that are already in place. I put together the list, sent it home to my schools and said, look what you can do now as we try to help uh, our car dealers have enough auto techs. And they are already in the process of applying for those programs to start it in the schools and to uh, help the people out west to find jobs and to supply the businesses with employees. We did that without Wyoming tomorrow. Mm -hmm. what, what did you think about that legislation? Well, it, it passed through the House, obviously, and, and originally in the House. And uh, I agree with the president. We have there are lots of opportunities, and, and there's probably a point in time where we maybe take a step back and actually assess the assess all what we have. We, we need to do it with probably our health care. There's other you know there's other places and um, education. We talked about education earlier. It's not just K twelve. It's the entire spectrum of education. Wyoms Tomorrow happens to be at, at that adult learner or you know, um, up, up, upskilling um, folks in our communities for the jobs of today's jobs. And they're requiring different skills and more skills as the president spoke about. So um, I think we, we keep adding tools to the toolbox. Let's make sure they're all good tools and let's you know, reevaluate every so often. Um, and you know, I think we'll, 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 it will serve Wyoming better. And there's still a couple of uh, votes left but, uh, in the closing hours, but I want your thoughts on blockchain. As you've watched some of these bills come through, um, uh, there are there's only a handful of experts, I think, in your legislative group that, that know about this. But what's your thoughts? Are you excited about where this is all heading? Well, first of all, I, I use a flip phone, so you know how <laughs> technologically uh, um, astute I am. Um, you know, I think blockchain probably has and is proving to have some unique opportunities. And Wyoming in the regulatory scheme and the, you know, the attractiveness of what we've offered as, a, as part of a structure seems to have you know, kind of got, got on the front end of this. Now, I don't want to you know, overrun ourselves and get to a place where, hey, you're, just, you're getting too far over your skis, as some people might say. Um, but, and, and you're right, we have very few people, at least in the, in the legislature, that you know, really, I think, understand the the intricacies, the complexities, and the challenges of, of where we're going. But I think, I think there is opportunity. I think it's already proven to be beneficial. Now we just, you know, like I say, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and create a situation where um, we have to say, 
wait a minute, what did we get into? What about your thoughts on that? I, I think we should proceed cautiously. I was on that committee for a while, and I moved myself off to put people on that uh, are more involved in banking and just the, the whole financial side of it. And I think we proceed cautiously. I commend Senator Lummis uh, for setting it up to at that level. Let's see where we can take this. I will tell you that I hear a lot of comments across the nation how Wyoming is moving this forward, and they, they find that interesting. Uh, the cowboy state is kind of leading the way in all of this. It does sound like, uh, from what people tell me, that there are some economic opportunities for the state down the road if, if, if we can sort of figure this all out. Certainly, and, and I hope there are. Ec ec economic opportunities with blockchain, with uh, the changing mineral industry and all that's going on out there. If we stay right with it, maybe even a little ahead of it, we could uh, create further opportunities to make Wyoming a leader. Well, Senate President Dan Dockstetter, Speaker of the House Eric Barlow, you're very busy folks. We've appreciated the time. Uh, good luck the rest of the year because, you know, even though the session ends, there's still some work to be done in the coming months, and, and we wish you the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. And when we come back, we will hear from the minority leaders. Uh, we will have the Senate minority leader and the House minority leader joining us. Stay with us. This is Capital Outlook. Welcome back to Capital Outlook. Again, I'm Bob Beck, and we just heard from the majority leaders. Let's hear from the minority leaders now in the House. Of course, Kathy Connolly and Senator Chris Rothfuss. Nice to have you back on the program. It's nice to see you, Bob. And we're glad you're feeling better. I know you were on the disabled list for a short amount of time, so we're, we're glad to have you back. But, but thank you, Zoom. Well, let me uh, start off with you, uh, Representative Connolly. As you look at this session this year, and we're here in the closing hours. Uh, what do you leave with? Do you, do you feel like things were accomplished? Well, Bob, we came in with three major tasks. We needed to do our, our biennial budget, we need to spend the ARPA money, and we needed to do redistricting. You know, we're still in the process here with, with each of those. And admittedly, I would have liked to have seen more in terms of budget and, and ARPA dollars, for example, that, you know, we did fine with it. But for example, we backfilled some of the money that we cut out of mental health and substance abuse programs around the state, and we backfilled that money. But honestly, we had some opportunities, I think, in order to expand services where they're needed. We haven't gone there yet. And so, you know, those are the kinds of things that I was hoping for. But we did okay. I know. I'd give we, us a C. Or, yeah, a C? <laughs> when we initially spoke, you were a little concerned there was too much savings going on. Yeah, regrettably, there was some movement, especially on my side in the House, that we would have put more money into reserve accounts or earnings accounts. We wouldn't let that money tip over into the permanent savings. And regrettably, we have more money going into permanent savings rather than a more liquid um, ability for us to be spending over the next couple of years. Senator? I certainly agree. We, we did some things that I think are positive, and uh, hopefully we'll have some things that we can look back on. Uh, some of those decisions, in fact, are being made today with uh, Wyoming's Tomorrow, for example, mm -hmm. Scholarship Fund, which uh, would be a positive development. But again, we underfunded that because we were unwilling to commit to the long term. We had an opportunity through a budget amendment to try and fund an endowment for early childhood education. That would have been a tremendous uh, boon for the state of Wyoming and, and really helpful for people. And we didn't fund that. 
once again, we talked about Medicaid expansion, made no progress on healthcare and in terms of providing access to affordable healthcare for all Wyomingites, no solutions there. And then uh, when we look at education, while we didn't make cuts, which honestly, I, I'll count that as a victory that we didn't cut mm -hmm. education, uh, we needed to provide a, a real ECA, particularly in times of inflation and at a time when we had sufficient cash flow to do so. And we chose to only provide an ECA for materials and energy, not for salaries. And, and that's incredibly regrettable. And that's called an external cost adjustment for the viewers. And, and that's something that you can use as a vehicle to provide pay raises for. Yeah. And on that, realistically, it's not a pay raise. It is just a cost of living adjustment to keep up parity with inflation. So every time we make a recommendation through the Joint Education Committee, it is simply to keep things neutral versus inflation. When we don't give one, that means we're eroding the value of the dollar and we're eroding then quality of education in the state. Yeah. Um, could I just jump in with that, Bob? Because honestly, that is something that, and you know, we use euphemisms around here all the time. We kick that can down the road again. We could, we had bragging rights that our teachers were among the best paid in the nation. It was absolutely necessary in order for us to keep the quality education that we, that we want, that we need, that we are, that we're proud of. But instead, we've eroded that over the years where we're now, you know, we're still in the top quarter, but we're nowhere near the top like we used to be. And so we need to revisit that issue. We voted no on an ECA for teachers this year. It means that buying power of their salaries has gone down over the past decade. Staying on the topic of education, uh, you talked about why means tomorrow, which uh, I think both of you agree is probably a good thing. But the one thing that you're on the education committee and the committee had high hopes of getting more money into the Hathaway scholarship, which talked about eroding over the years uh, has dropped off. How disappointed were you uh, in the Senate to see not only them reject a number of amendments to increase that to, to finally kill that bill? Yeah, that was an incredible disappointment. Uh, we have seen the honors level of the Hathaway go from funding 90% of tuition and fees when it began to at best 50% at this point in time. Uh, talk about not keeping up with inflation. We've done nothing to improve that. And we know from the Constitution that we have a constitutional obligation to make higher education and the university as nearly free as possible. We're not meeting that obligation. And once again, we chose not to. And this is a time when we have the funds available. Uh, we know that even the Hathaway corpus itself can support substantially higher rates of funding without having any risk to the corpus. There's $700 million in that corpus. Mm -hmm. uh, and we haven't pr been providing any increases to keep up with the growth in the value of that corpus. So it's a real disservice to the people, to the students of the state of Wyoming, to uh, try and draw people our best and brightest to the university. And we also had some other changes that just would have improved cash flow and, and allowed us to invest it better. We rejected those changes as well. It was incredibly short-sighted. Yeah. Senate was a tough place, as you, as you well know, Representative Connolly. Here you, you're getting a, a message, I'm sure, that gender studies got cut there for a while, which 
you're part of. Uh, what what are your I, I what are your thoughts on how that got resolved? Uh, is that going to be okay, or what do you think about that? Oh, Bob, that boy, what a disappointment that was. I found out about that amendment, which was to defund gender studies at UW, and then it seemed like it had everything else attached to it, and all pro other programs that in any way addressed gender. While I was in a labor health meeting that morning, and you know, certainly as, as you know. Um, that I have been a professor at UW for 30 years and have spent most of my career in the gender and women's studies department, including a, as the department head. Um, that amendment was incredibly disappointing. It was incredibly disappointing to see um, a lack of kind of recognition and understanding of what one of the oldest gender and women's studies programs in the nation has done and is doing right now. So again, I was incredibly disappointed. And then for it to pass the Senate on, on one vote with a tremendous amount of misinformation, both in terms of content and numbers of students, was again disappointing. And you know, we can kind of joke around about what was going on in the Senate in terms of lack of information, lack of correct information on so many issues. This was just another one of them. But then it goes to a conference committee and that the conference committee instead comes up with, a, all right, we, we're not going to go after gender and women's studies in particular, but let's instead look at some other programs that the university is doing that, again, filled with lots of misinformation about alcohol, um, understanding about alcohol and sexual assault that kind of freshmen need to do in their freshman orientation classes. It had nothing to do with the original amendment, but in my mind, gave real oxygen to the ability of individuals to come after the university, to come after some curriculum, and that the legislature will micromanage what happens at that level. That's just wrong. Very different bodies from where I sat this year. I got to cover you both, but Chris, honestly, as we talked about, I think last week, the Senate was certainly a little more fun, certainly more news <laughs> newsworthy. They had uh, more interesting topics to discuss. Um, and, and if I was to tick them all off, I'm not sure I could get them all right, but what was going on over there? I mean, you've been in the Senate a long time. Had, had you seen anything quite like that? No, it was definitely a different experience. And I think what it comes down to is uh, a lot of campaigning, a lot of politics, and not a lot of vision, uh, not a lot of policy. And that's disappointing to see. When you don't have solutions to problems, you create your own problems, and then you, I guess, heroically ride in and try and solve those problems. Uh, and that's what we saw a lot of. It is disappointing to see. There was just tremendous attacks on education. I don't know where those are coming from or why, uh, but whether it's higher education or K-12, vilifying teachers, vilifying the education system. Um, curriculums. I, yeah, curriculums, exactly. I think, if anything, the Senate, this session should be a demonstration that we need more academic freedom and we need more free thinkers and more critical thinking because uh, we showed up, we spouted misinformation, and we made bad decisions based on that misinformation time and time again. Uh, it was a real disappointment. And the collegiality is disappointing. Uh, you know, I've been in the legislature, I've been in the Senate for 12 years, and this is the first time I've seen 
clear animosity among individuals and acrimony and, and factions being built with, with divisiveness between the legislators themselves. It's disappointing to see that. It looks like national politics. Uh, it's something that we have traditionally and historically tried to avoid, and we're, we're missing it now. Uh, we need better vision. We need, I think, better leadership and the folks that stand up and set good examples, and we're just not seeing that. It seemed like some people tried uh, to bring back the, you know, to try and settle things down. But boy, it was, seemed to be one thing after another from from people I understand even recording each other. Absolutely, and I won't I won't name any names, but we definitely still have a core of incredible legislators in the Senate that are professional, intelligent, competent, hardworking, and they're trying to do what's best for the state of Wyoming. Uh, but we spend too much of our time distracted by these absurdities. House seemed to be a better place. It did, and I am kind of proud and grateful for that, that, that my body actually followed the rules and moved along at a reasonable pace in order to do so. And that's not to say that I wasn't disappointed about some of the things that went on, but the collegiality was, was still there, and I'm glad to say that. One of the things that I noticed about the House of Representatives and, and uh, a lot of uh, your Democratic colleagues working with Republicans, getting amendments, getting things uh, taken care of, I, I, I saw some names together on some amendments <laughs> that I, don't, I was a little surprised to see. So I, I, that seems to be a, a strategy that you've had maybe working with some of the more conservative members of the House. Yeah, sure, Bob. That actually is nothing new. I mean, we are a, you know, we're a small caucus. For us to get anything done means always working across the aisle. And you saw that just again this year and with a wide variety of people. And, you know, in all honesty, there are issues that, that we agree on. There are, for example, civil liberties kinds of issues or some things that, you know, Democrats hold very dear to our hearts. And there's certain kinds of allegiances or, 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 um, you know, alliances that we can make with others. We have people who are kind of really knowledgeable about money and about the flows of money in the state, and those make other kinds of alliances. Senator, you, you listed some things you weren't happy with, but I, I'm curious uh, what you thought you did a good job with this year. Well, I, I can go back to my select committee on blockchain and fi financial technologies. Uh, I think we did some nice work this year. We've got some legislation up for third reading today that I'm enthused about, so I think there were some real positives there. Uh, I do feel that the Wyoming Tomorrow scholarship is uh, a good start. Even if we didn't fully fund it, uh, we were in good shape on that. And, and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to move that forward as well. Uh, and then honestly, when you look at some of the funding that we put into the ARP Act or from the ARP Act into uh, whether it's healthcare, mental health, uh, and supporting some of our previous programs. We did some important things there. Uh, infrastructure as well, that's going to be needed by my community and every other community in the state. So the availability of those federal funds and some of the programming of those federal funds uh, really is coming at an opportune time for the state of Wyoming. And it's funny with those federal funds, we shake our fists and we complain and we have narratives on the floor just denouncing the administration and and uh, and their spending. Oh, but boy, that saved the day. If if we hadn't had that billion dollars, uh, we wouldn't know what to do right now. How about you? 
You know, I agree. I mean, there are there are some things. And actually, I want to go back to your last question about, uh, you know, working across the aisle. And it just occurred to me that, that both of us had individual level bills that passed. And so that means that we had to get the majority of each of our respective bodies and the other side in order to agree to those. And those are, those are important bills. I mean, they're small bills, but they're, they're important bills. One was about the availability of EpiPens. You know, we need that in the state. Mine was about uh, the availability of information for workers who are employed by self-insured companies when there's an accident. Those are important things, and it's about working across the aisle. That's the only way those get, those get passed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, we're Senator Rothfuss was saying there is a lot of money out there for mental health and 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 health services. I uh, I know there was some more amendments that didn't make it through in the House in particular, but you had to be pleased with the different things that did actually get in there on both sides. Yeah. Um, so in particular, in terms of kind of those those mental health substance abuse kinds of dollars, that in conjunction with actually slowing down a bill that we passed last year that um, establishes priority populations for getting those services and the ability to say, whoa, right, we need to slow that down because it makes winners and losers about who's going to get those services. We now have some more money available. Let's see, let's look at instead broadening rather than narrowing the availability of those services. That's important to me and and that's what we're doing. And Bob, on that, you know, there's about $15 million that ended up in the budget for providing better access to health care for rural health. Um, and that was that was new. And I think that might do some very interesting things because you can put in place uh, both programming and facilities. Uh, so we, we have certainly funds for the larger hospitals, but I, I think that might make a difference. Yeah. About five minutes left. I, w- I would like to use this time to just maybe talk about uh, what you'd like to see here in the coming year. Uh, you will very soon will be uh, giving priorities uh, to the management council, which you're both part of. But what what would you like to see the focus be on? What what are the key issues you think are facing the state that we we should really look at? Well, there's no question that the top priority is a realistic uh, restructuring of our revenue picture for the state of Wyoming. Uh, we were bailed out by federal funds this year, and that's the reality. As we look forward, we still will see a little bit of a boom which honestly we'll appreciate from coal, oil, and gas and the prices they're at right now. So while everybody's complaining at the pump right now for good reason, as they're seeing 4 and $5 gasoline, uh, that's paying for education in the state of Wyoming, and it's, it's probably going to save our day for the next legislative session. But uh, in the long run, we still don't have a realistic 21st century revenue structure that has to change. It has to remain our focus, and it's probably the most important thing that we'll do when we eventually do it. So that conversation has to remain. Um, getting more to specifics of what we're looking at on committees, uh, the education committee will spend some time still looking at K-3 education overall. And um, I'd like to take a little bit of a different look at it. Uh, we've put together good standards and structure, but what I'm hearing in feedback, and I, I certainly respect this view, is that we might have overloaded those little kids and those K-3 kids, and they might need to spend some more time playing and going outside and jumping around and having fun in life. And uh, I kind of look forward to having that discussion, figuring out how we can maybe deprogram a little bit of that time and, and give them back the joy of education. Um, over on the minerals committee side, we'll 
spend time hopefully looking at what I'm referring to as giga projects. Um, why do other states get the billion dollar projects and we never do? Uh, what is it about our structure that seems to discourage that? And what can we do to provide those uh, incentives and, and attract, recruit, retain uh, those larger projects to Wyoming? So those are a couple of things that I'm excited about in the near term. But the overarching vision is we, we will not succeed at anything until we change our revenue structure dramatically. Representative? Yep. Thanks, Bob. And I, I absolutely agree with Chris. You know, I've, I've been on revenue. I've been on appropriations. We just have a pause right now. We have a pause because of federal dollars, and we need to go back to those conversations about our taxation structure. It's as simple as that. Um, but that being said, there are, there are other issues that we need to take a good look at that, again, we have started and haven't finished those conversations. Medicaid expansion, right? We need to also look at what we learned from the pandemic and what we can do better in the state. Medicaid expansion is part of that solution. We've also learned about our, our needs in terms of the delivery of rural health care and about our kind of health care staff and every from you know CNAs you know up to kind of specialty areas in, in medicine and we're not doing well enough by them and we're not doing well enough by our elderly as well. And we I'm hoping that we learn from the pandemic about what our needs are and then, and then we address them. Um, and then going to education. I will never stop beating the drum of early childhood mm -hmm. education. And that's high quality and it's a, a lot about playing. It, it really is. But we're the only state in the nation that really hasn't done anything as a state in terms of kind of facilitating high quality early childhood education. Do you, uh, did I see correctly that that is something that the committee is hoping to study? Yes, and, but it's the vague kind of, we'll throw it in with K through three, we'll throw it in, right? But I'd really like us to kind of focus on it. And in all honesty, you know, our Campbell decisions say that, you know, we are not obligated to fund pre-K. Well, so what? We're not obligated to do a lot, but we do it because it's the right thing to do and it's time for us to do the right thing. We've got a minute, and I can't go over my minute, uh, Chris, I'm afraid to ask you this question, but um, uh, I'm curious, economic development, what, what needs to happen there here in the next few months? We need a vision and we need to think bigger. Uh, we probably need to make changes on how we're looking at it. I've had good conversations with the business council about really setting some objective performance indicators and some better aspirations. And so I hope we'll realize that over the next year, uh, knowing what we're trying to achieve and then uh, documenting whether or not we're actually moving in that direction. Would you like the last 30 seconds? And I will kind of tout two of the new Democrats, uh, Chad Banks and Trey Sherwood, in terms of economic development. They are their respective kind of downtown economic development people, one in Rock Springs, one in Laramie. They're about small business. What can we do to facilitate the, the growth of our small businesses? Representative Kathy Connolly, Senator Chris Rothfuss, uh, your minority leaders, thanks to both of you and enjoy the time off. <laughs> will do. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Bob. And when we come back, we will talk with Steve Pack, the new host of Capital Outlook. This is Capital Outlook right here on Wyoming PBS. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Capital Outlook. Again, I'm Bob Beck. With us is Steve Peck. He is going to be the new public affairs producer for this program. He'll be hosting Capital Outlook and many other things. Steve, uh, welcome to P Wyoming PBS. Bob, thank you very much. Good morning. Now, tell folks across the state just a little bit about yourself. You've actually been very famous in Fremont County for a number of years, but uh, maybe I, your background. I was a newspaper man for a long time, as, I, as were my father and my uncle before me. We owned the uh, local newspaper business in, in Riverton for 73 years, and during uh, that time, our family ownership uh, operation grew to include uh, 16 papers in Wyoming and Montana, that then uh, mushroomed and then shrank back again. And at the time we sold the business in January after, after uh, 73 years, 38 years with me uh, more or less at the helm. And at that time we had the Ranger in Riverton, the Lander Journal, the Wind River News, which is circulated primarily on the Wind River Indian Reservation, a couple of uh, what we call shopper publications and the, the weekly in uh, Dubois, the Dubois Frontier. Uh, so not as big as it once was, but was, uh, uh, a very uh, satisfying, involving, engaging uh, uh, career that I had for a long time, and now this opportunity has come my way somewhat unexpectedly for me. Well, like myself, uh, we're about the same age, so we're both super young, so Late retiring, retirement wasn't uh, quite in the cards just yet. What, what brought you here? Well, I, when it became clear that the uh, sale was going to take place, uh, which, in, as I've learned through the years, you never be sure until the day uh, that, it, that it happens. I wasn't certain what I was going to do. Uh, my longtime friend and yours and my predecessor in this uh, position, uh, Craig Blumenschein, uh, suggested to me that I apply for the job, which was a new idea for me. I can say with all honesty, it had not even crossed my mind, but he said it should cross your mind. And I, it turns out... Uh, well, some people know, I think, that the station, Wyoming PBS, is owned by Central Wyoming College in Riverton. And at the time, I happened to be the elected chairman of the Board of Trustees. And so I had a decision to make there. I spoke with the station manager who said he thought there might be a path forward for me, of course, with zero guarantee. But I decided to resign my seat as not just as a chairman, but step down from the board in order to apply for it. I didn't think it would be fair for the... Uh, the interview committee to have to consider an ad job application from the chairman of the board. So I, I decided that would be the thing to do. I went through the interview process just like everybody else did. There were numerous candidates and they made the decision to offer me the job, which I, which I was happy to take after learning more about it. Um, as uh, there are some similarities to it, of course, with the work that I did before, and but it's uh, there's a lot that I'm learning um, beginning yesterday, which was my first real assignment for uh, for the station. Well, let's let's also tell folks that uh, politics is no stranger to you. I covered your father Bob uh, for a number of years, and your uncle Roy Pack also served. That's in right. They both were in the legislature a combined career of nearly 30 years. They didn't serve together. Roy was uh, just a couple of years older than my dad, but he was a, a political figure in Wyoming since the 60s. He ran for Congress uh, and for governor in 66 and 74, losing in two of the closest primary elections in this, to this day still, the famous 74 primary, where the, I think the first place candidate had 26% and the fourth place had 24%. And uh, he happened to be third in that, in that campaign. 
Uh, he served then uh, in, the, in Stan Hathaway, Governor Hathaway's administration in the late 60s, and uh, then in the legislature, both the House and the Senate. My dad started his, his uh, legislative career much later. He'd been on the college board as, uh, as, as I was uh, prior to that and served for almost 20 years uh, from the early 90s into the, into the mid-2000s. So let's talk about how you see your job, uh, your new role. I, I'm sure you have some ideas on how you'd like this to all work out. Well, when they asked me about it, and that, of course that's the first thing you ask yourself, and, uh, uh, the possibility of changing your life comes along, and the, the interviewers asked me why, or I knew that they would, and I thought, well, uh, looking at standing here observing what you're doing today and what Craig did and what the station does, uh, my affiliation through the college with the station, I realized that uh, what Wyoming PBS does is important and I want to do important work. And that's what I told them and that's how I still feel about it. I'm uh, um, starting with that as my, uh, my platform of what we're going to do. I'll be hosting this program uh, uh, to the best of my ability. There's another half hour weekly or twice monthly series roughly that we do called Wyoming Chronicle. And, I uh, shot my first assignment for that yesterday with State Superintendent uh, Schrader, and this later today we're going to over to the State uh, uh, Wyoming Department of Health lab to talk with Dr. Harris about the uh, state of COVID and other things now that the emergency order uh, in the state is about to be lifted. And then uh, um, off and running from there. I've always had been good in my previous position with coming up with ideas to, for of interesting things to cover and talk about. I'm, I'm finding to my great relief and satisfaction that many other people have ideas about what we ought to be doing too. And that's great. I'm happy to have all of that. I want to make sure we have more than we can do. Uh, and because then they'll never be, uh, we'll never, never come up short of, of good ideas. Well, the, the, the biggest challenge I can tell you as a radio person having to be on TV, they've got these uh, meddlesome cameras that are constantly watching you. So Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I promised the station that after the first couple times I saw myself that I'd quit, quit asking the question, when did I start looking like that? Uh, but uh, that's, that's fine. I, I'm uh, um, comfortable enough doing that and I've, I've uh, participated in debates on panels with you before. And so that's not altogether new to me. And of course, the, the, the focus is not on the host. It's on the subject. It's on the guest. It's on the topic. And that's certainly what I'm intending to do with it. Well, Steve's kicked off his career here with an interview with the state superintendent of public instruction, Brian Schrader. Uh, let's watch that interview. Hello, I'm Steve Peck of Wyoming PBS. We're joined today by the new state superintendent of public instruction for Wyoming, Brian Schrader. Superintendent Schrader, welcome to Wyoming PBS. Thank you for being here and congratulations on the new position. Thank you, Steve. It's nice to be here with you. Thank you. It's been a somewhat tumultuous time for you, I guess, since New Year's Day. How's it been going so far? Uh, so far, it's been a hoot. A hoot. <laughs> yes. Lots of fun. Lots of work. Um, it's been very challenging, very interesting, very exciting, very encouraging, very overwhelming. In a good way, I hope. In a good way, yes, yes. What are your, some of your initial impressions of the Capitol, the job, the department, the staff, that sort of thing? Yeah, well, the Capitol, I'm in awe of. I remember when I first walked in the front doors, I was uh, astounded that it was unlocked. Yes. That it was open to the public. God bless Wyoming. Um, and, you know, since I've been here now, what, four or five weeks, at times I'll catch myself walking through the Capitol and uh, just shaking my head. 
I work here now. Yes, I'm astounded how did this all happen. Um, so it's very humbling. It's a tremendous honor. As far as the staff, the Department of Education staff, they're, they're just tremendous. I couldn't speak any, highly, any, any, any more high of them. They're very supportive, uh, been very helpful, very encouraging, uh, and very capable. Um, the Department of Education is in good hands. We have a lot of uh, longevity there, a lot of stability. The folks know what they're doing, and they care. It's, uh, so the staff is just uh, you know, holding me up, basically. Uh, and that's been just a joy and an honor to work with them. And um, I might also add, it's been a tremendous honor and a, a real thrill to uh, work with the governor. I find him a man that uh, I really respect. Um, he's, he's just, he's down to earth. He's um, been very helpful to me, uh, offering mentoring. I, I meet with him regularly. And uh, that's, that's been a very fun part of the job. It's just a real honor to work with Governor Gordon. Okay, let's talk about this uh, process that got you from there to here. Uh, when the vacancy was made known and it was clear that Superintendent Bailo was leaving the position, what factors led you to think, I want to try this? Uh, the main factor was a lot of good folk up in Cody were um, calling me and prompting me and encouraging me and asking me if I would throw my hat in the ring, um, which I never gave consideration to it and would not have outside of that. Um, so, um, it I, makes you think though. Yes, it did. People and, you know and encourage you. Yeah. At first I didn't think I was interested, but, um, but it continued. And so I threw my hat in the ring via, uh, uh, you know, a resume and a biography and a cover letter that you had to send off. And I thought that would be the end of it. And then I mean, an email came back. You need to be down in Douglas to mm -hmm. give a speech and answer some questions of the, uh, from the state central committee and somewhere along the way, I thought I heard there was like 14 or 17 people on the state central committee. I got there and there was 74, <laughs> plus all the county activists in the room, plus the public, plus the press. It was a very intimidating experience. And then, uh, yeah, so that, uh, that's kind of the process. And one thing led to another before I knew it, I was in the top three and came here to the governor's office for an interview. And a couple days later, I got the phone call offering me the job. And yeah. Well, it's a very compressed timetable. We were speaking earlier that when someone decides to run for the job, and that, let me ask you first, I think you addressed this for a moment. Was the idea of running for state superintendent ever on your life radar before? No, before never. Never in my five-year plan, 10-year plan, or 25-year plan, no. So uh, someone who does decide to run for the job uh, thinks about it, I presume, for a few weeks. Then there's the filing period, which is in May, and then there's a couple of three months before the primary election. And if the candidate survives that, there's another couple of months before the general election. And in November, if the candidate survives that, then there's another couple of months before taking office, which usually includes some orientation and training time. So I've heard. You didn't get any of that, did you? No. Uh, <laughs> no. What's been key to you in, in doing the best you can, I guess, to hit the ground, uh, at least walking, if not running? Honestly, what I've always told my kids, um, just take the next step. That's the only way I can break it down rather than try to bite off the whole big picture, which is enormous. I just, um, I just uh, operate from the mentality as much as possible. Okay, what's the next step? So when I get up in the morning, what's the next step? Shower and get clothed. 
after our meeting we just had, what's the next step? Come over here and do the interview. And I just keep trying to take the next step and we'll see how it goes and how far it goes. You mentioned you, the thing you say to your kids. What can you tell us about uh, your background, your family? Okay, yep. So I, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. I uh, grew up in a single parent home. Uh, my brother, sister and I were raised by our mom in uh, a little agrarian town, Fort Atkinson. And um, we had a, uh, outside of uh, not having a father, we had an incredible childhood. I often liken it to uh, Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer. Um, we were, uh, we, uh, we, like other kids, of course, we went to school, but we were fishing the Rock River or swimming across the Rock River, which you weren't supposed to do because it was a life-threatening experience, but that's what made it all the more <laughs> inviting. Uh, skating Homerson's Pond, um, going to church on Sunday mornings, watching the Green Bay Packers on uh, Sunday afternoon. And, uh, and it was a farm community, so I worked my way through high school and college, milking cows, uh, riding tractors, uh, baling hay. And um, it, was, uh, it was a great place to grow up. I, lo I love my childhood, I love my hometown. Um, from there, I went to college, and my three career tracks have run uh, basically uh, three different paths. One uh, was education. Uh, I was uh, uh, a teacher for 10 years, and then the last five years, 15 years in education total, last five years principal teacher of a small school in my hometown of Fort Atkinson. From there, I crossed over into pastoral ministry for seven years, and from there, I crossed over into the professional counseling field where I worked in two different residential treatment facilities, six years in Michigan, eight and a half in Wisconsin, with um, abuse, neglect, uh, teenagers and their families. What brought you to Wyoming? Uh, what brought me to Wyoming was the last residential treatment facility I was at went through a financial crisis. They cut programs and people and, uh, and my program, the family weekend program that I ran was one of the things that got cut by um, the new CEO that came in. Uh, I was gonna be there the rest of my life and would have been happy to, happy to have uh, done so, but uh, uh, change of chapter and uh, uh, and an opportunity opened up with a school in Cody, Wyoming. And so I checked it out. And next thing I know, I'm working in Wyoming for a year. Yeah, I was up there for a year and a half before this opened up. There's no uh, ironclad job description for a state superintendent. So I found. People, uh, uh, there have been about two dozen uh, state superintendents to precede you in the job and in looking through their uh, resumes, I've seen they're, they're quite varied. Uh, what do you bring to it? Well, you know, um, along with that, that was one of my first questions to the governor in the interview was, what is the job description? Uh, what do I bring to it? Uh, there's the, perhaps the intangibles, but I like to keep it simple. And honestly, uh, I feel like what, if I am qualified, and time will tell, uh, what I bring to it is I was a student, so I understand students. I am a parent, so I understand parents, and I was a classroom teacher, so I understand teachers. And that is the educational enterprise in my mind, students, parents, and teachers. And I can relate to and understand all three with a passion. So that's what I bring to it, if anything. There's not a lot of... Uh... It seems to me perhaps not as nearly as much shared experience in, among people as there used to be. Uh, in my father's generation, perhaps yours too, one thing that was 
so common for all of them was that they were had the World War II military experience, at least my father's generation did. There's not as much of that now, but I think the K-12 educational experience is something that just about every one of us has had yes. or will have or is having. What do you remember about yours that sticks with you and that uh, maybe moved you to enter the, the field? Yeah. What I remember about mine was school was a, a, a happy, safe place for uh, us kids going to. Um, obviously, we didn't grow up in an era where there were the school shootings, so we didn't, that kind of stuff never even crossed our mind as far as, which it does, our, our kids today, they go to school wondering, could, you know, could that happen to me or to us? Um, so it was a very safe, happy experience. And the other thing I remember was um, just a strong sense of community uh, throughout the whole school, you know, your, your best friends were there, you grew up with these kids. And the third thing was the teachers, uh, especially for me, one fourth grade teacher um, made a, a real life impact to where I have uh, contact with her to this day. She, I have to say mostly initiated by her, but she would come over to our, our birthday parties and just took a real personal interest in me. And at the time when you're a fourth grader, it doesn't necessarily, I think it it resonates with you more than you know, but as you grow up, you realize, wow, she really, really cared. We're on statewide television, what's her name? Uh, her name is Miss Drager. Ms. Drager. Yeah. We've been speaking with State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Brian Schrader. Thanks, Superintendent, for being with us Thank on Wyoming PBS. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Well, thanks to our guests, and again, thanks to all of you for enjoying Capital Outlook during the Wyoming Legislative Session. Thanks to Wyoming PBS for allowing me the opportunity to host the program, and we hope you have a tremendous summer as we come back with Steve Peck next year. This program is supported in part by a grant from the BNSF Railway Foundation, dedicated to improving the general welfare and quality of life in communities throughout the BNSF Railway Service Area. Proud to support Wyoming PBS. And by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support.